Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lay Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. Most people will encounter a sexual problem at some point in their lives, and unfortunately, most of them will suffer in silence. Relatively few people discuss these problems with their partners and healthcare providers due to feelings of shame and embarrassment. The saddest part about all of this is that most of these problems can be fairly easily solved. But by doing nothing, these problems often end up growing into much bigger issues, including relationship conflict and sometimes breakup or divorce. But it doesn't have to be this way. Many sex problems can be solved on our own without the need to bring in doctors and therapists. So let's talk about some things you can do to solve common sexual problems and get your sex life back on track. I am joined once again by sex therapist, Dr. Lori Mintz, a professor at the University of Florida, where she teaches human sexuality to hundreds of undergraduate students each year. She has published over 55 academic works and is the author of the books, Becoming Cliterate, Why Orgasm Equality Matters and How to Get It, as well as A Tired Woman's Guide to Passionate Sex. This is going to be an amazing conversation. Stick around and we're gonna jump in right after the break. Enhance your sexual performance with FirmTech. Check out their tech ring, which is designed to give you harder, longer-lasting erections while also tracking your erectile fitness. Wear it at night to monitor nocturnal erections and cardiovascular health, or wear it during lovemaking for a boost in the bedroom. Unlike other erection rings, FirmTech is easy to put on, adjustable to your comfort, and it can go on whether you're hard or soft. To learn more, check the show notes or visit myfirmtech.com and be sure to use my exclusive discount code, JUSTIN20, to save 20% off your purchase. Again, that's myfirmtech.com. If you love the science of sex as much as I do, consider becoming a friend of the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. The Kinsey Institute is the world's premier research organization on sex and relationships, and you can help them continue the legacy of Dr. Alfred Kinsey, whose pioneering research changed everything we think we know about sex. Visit kinseyinstitute.org to make an impact. Your donations can help support ongoing research projects on critical topics. You can also show your support by following Kinsey Institute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for supporting Sex Science. The future of sex tech is here. The Handy, made by Sweet Tech, is an automatic stroker designed for self-pleasure. It's a one-size-fits-all device that can be coupled with your masturbation sleeve of choice. Sweet Tech has a wide variety of sleeves to choose from, designed to mimic realistic sensations of different partnered activities. The Handy offers precise speed and stroke control, which includes the exact stroke length. It can be remote controlled, and you can even sync it up with video to mimic what's happening on screen. So what you see is what you feel. To get your hands on The Handy, find the link in the show notes or visit thehandy.com. That's thehandy.com. Hi, Lori, and welcome back to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for joining me again. It's always wonderful to speak with you. So let's talk about solving sexual problems. One of the models of sex therapy that I teach about and cover in my textbook is the Plissett model, spelled P-L-I-S-S-I-T. And it was developed by Jack Annan back in the 1970s. And basically, it lays out this progression for how sexual problems should be treated, with intensive therapy kind of being the option of last resort because it's usually not needed except in severe cases. 
So PLICIT is an acronym where the P stands for permission, and this is the starting point. So Lori, can you tell us what does it mean to give yourself permission? And can you perhaps share an example of how this is done? Absolutely. So, so I'm so excited to have this conversation, let me just say, because I love the Plicit model. I talk about it in all my talks and to my students as well, which, as you know, I use your amazing textbook in my class. But getting back to your question, permission is really important because it cuts through shame. And shame is often a big driver of sexual problems. And it can be giving yourself permission or it can be realizing that there are authority figures, if you will, that can give you permission. So a big one I can think of is masturbation. A lot of people, especially people raised, for example, in certain religions or in purity culture, are told masturbation is bad, it's dirty, it's awful, it's a sin. So permission plays a big role there. For example, I show a video in my class, you've probably seen it for those who haven't, it's fabulous, by Rev Bev, who's on YouTube. And Rev Bev is an ordained minister. So she's sitting there as an authority figure, a religious authority figure, basically saying self-pleasure is good. And she even uses the Bible to say, hey, even the Bible is not against self-pleasure. Even the Bible is for self-pleasure. So for me, that's a great example of permission to just do what you're already doing, but stop feeling shame and guilt about it. Another example is your book, which I use to help people kind of have permission to continue to fantasize about what they're fantasizing about. I recently spoke with a client who was so ashamed of her rough sex fantasies, of her forced sex fantasies. And I basically gave her permission to continue to do that with the reference of using your book which was also a little bit of limited information in there too. But those are examples of permission that I can think of that I've used very recently. Yeah. So permission is kind of when you've got things that you want to do or explore with regard to your sexuality, but you've got something holding you back like shame or embarrassment. It's really seeking that validation that you're allowed to pursue these different sources of erotic pleasure to explore and expand your sexuality. And as you mentioned, this permission can come from a lot of different sources. Sometimes it is you going to a therapist and your therapist is the one giving you that permission. Sometimes it's reading a sexual self-help manual or maybe even listening to a podcast like this. So permission can be something where you're kind of going out and getting it in different ways, but it's often really the starting point to dealing with sexual problems. But it's not always enough, which is why the next step in the Plicit model, which you already alluded to, is the LI, which stands for limited information. So what is the information that we're talking about here? And can you give us an example or two of how getting just a little bit of information can go a long way towards solving a sexual problem? Absolutely. So limited information is so important because there's so little good sexual health, scientifically accurate sexual health information out there. And instead, there's a lot of falsehoods, etc. So here's some examples of limited information that I use all the time. And 
it's actually turning people away from therapy. I'll get calls from someone. Here's an example. You know, Dr. Mintz, I want to see you in my private therapy, in your private therapy, because I have premature ejaculation. Okay. Tell me what that means to you. How, what's going on? Well, I, you know, from putting my penis in my partner's vagina till the time I orgasm, it's like five minutes. And I'm like, that's actually the average across a multinational study. You don't really need therapy. You're fine the way you are. Like that's limited information. Or, you know, a big one in my world, because I work a lot with women and low desire and orgasm issues. So orgasm issues. Did you know that depending on the way the study is conducted and the way it's worded, that only four to eighteen percent of people with vulvas and women can orgasm without clitoral stimulation and from penetration alone. Oh my gosh, I feel normal given this information. Or, you know, oh my gosh, I think I'm broken because I don't feel horny anymore in the context of this long-term relationship. Ah, did you know there's something called the limerence phase, that hot, horny, can't keep each hands off each other phase? It only lasts six months to a year. Everybody's level of horniness, especially women, decreases in a long-term relationship. So limited information is scientifically sound information that helps people feel less broken, really. That's what so much of this is about, the permission, too. So those are some examples of how I use limited information. Yeah. So this information we're talking about is basically the sex ed that you never got that's giving you that statistical or scientific knowledge base that you really need to kind of contextualize things and better understand yourself and your body. A couple of other examples there would be when people have genital concerns. You know, there are lots of people who think that their penis is too small, but it turns out, nope, you're actually perfectly average or maybe even above average, right? And so when you kind of have that information, that can be helpful to alleviate some of those genital concerns. And you can see the same thing in people who have vulvas. You know, a lot of people who go seeking labial reduction surgery or other genital augmentation surgeries, sometimes just getting that limited information from the surgeon who says, you know, actually your genital appearance is normal. If you want to proceed with modification in some way, you can, but just so you know, there is nothing wrong here and it's perfectly normal for the labia to be asymmetrical or for there to be variations in coloration. And so just kind of getting that information about genitals and diversity in genital appearance can really go a long way toward getting rid of a lot of that feeling of embarrassment that people carry around when it comes to their genitals. Those are great examples, great examples, and ones I also use all the time. So permission and limited information can solve a lot of sex problems, but sometimes we need to go a step further and really explore and experiment a bit. And that's where the SS in the Plicit model comes in, which stands for specific suggestions. And you can think of this as basically homework exercises, techniques, activities you can try that are aimed at enhancing sexual function or pleasure. So can you give us a couple of examples of specific suggestions that might be helpful for dealing with common sexual problems? 
Yeah. So for inability to orgasm, let's say alone, and we're talking now about a person with a vulva, a really sound scientifically based suggestion is get a vibrator. You know, research is really clear that women who use vibrators have easier and more frequent orgasms. And in fact, there's a piece of limited information that goes with that, that the clitoris and as well as the head of the penis have special receptors on them that um, respond to vibration that are found nowhere else in the human body. So go get yourself a vibrator, use it. That's a suggestion for lack of orgasm say, let's use that same person. She's never orgasmed. She buys a vibrator and now she has orgasms. And she says, oh no, but what about with my male partner? You know, what do I do now? I know how to orgasm alone. Well, a very sound specific suggestion is get the same type of stimulation with your partner as you would get alone. Bring your vibrator to the encounter. So that's a really good specific suggestion for orgasm, for low desire. I'm never horny. I don't care if I ever have sex again. And if the person is one who does that anyway, once in a while and says, as many do, it's good when it gets going, keep doing that. Schedule your sexual encounters. People find that word very unromantic, scheduled sexual encounters. So I like to call them trysts. Decide your ideal frequency and have sex to get horny rather than wait to be horny to have sex. Make sure you schedule it. Like, you know, nothing in our adult life really happens without it being scheduled, right? We wouldn't have both just suddenly showed up to this podcast at the same time. We put it on the calendar. You know, do the same for sex And make sure you take the time to build arousal. It's consensual. It's pleasurable. You use mindfulness. That's another specific suggestion which works for lack of arousal, orgasm. Practice mindfulness, putting your mind and body in your same place, and then apply it to sex. I mean, I can go on for lots of other concerns, but I'll just stop there. Those are some examples. But what you can also see as we talk about this, it's not as isolated as Anne and made it sound. First, you give permission. That doesn't work. Information of that suggestion. So many times the suggestions and the information go hand in hand. So the information that most people with vulvas need clitoral stimulation to orgasm goes with the suggestion to get that. So the fact that our sexual desire decreases as we age and dismantling the myth of spontaneous sex goes hand in hand with the suggestion to schedule your sexual encounters. Yeah, I love everything you just said. And I think it's really important for helping people to recognize that good sex, great sex, isn't something that just spontaneously happens. And sometimes we have to do a bit of work first on dealing with certain issues, whether that's getting out of your head or whether it's getting better ejaculatory control or something. You know, it's this idea that you can do some homework beforehand and then you can bring these extra skills into the bedroom that can make sex even better. So in terms of the specific suggestions, it's really about, you know, what are your specific sexual concerns or problems? And then going out and finding a reliable, scientifically based source of information 
that can kind of give you these exercises that you can try. And those exercises could come from you consulting with a sex therapist, but there are also so many great sex educators on social media, so many great sexual self-help books out there. So there's no shortage of information available if you don't have the means to seek a sex therapist. Yeah. And in fact, I think if sexual problems are approached early, you don't need a therapist, which is the whole point of the Plicit model, right? You can solve it without therapy. It's Sometimes therapy is needed, of course, for more serious concerns like recovering from a trauma, et cetera. Sexual pain, that's one that's pretty hard to treat with just information. You're going to need a doctor, a pelvic floor physical therapist. But the reason self-help works better in, in studies for sexual concerns than any other concern, and there's books that have published studies showing that they do work, I'm proud to say, including my books. And the reason is because in a book, you can give permission, limited information, and specific suggestions. Yep. Absolutely. Now, you kind of already read my mind in terms of where the next question is going. So it's estimated that 80 to 90% of sexual problems can be solved simply by going through these first three steps of the Plicit model, or maybe doing them in combination, because as you said, they don't necessarily all have to go in sequence and sometimes go hand in hand. So you can often do these things without the aid of a therapist. But there are a small number of people who really need to go to the root of intensive therapy. And you mentioned a couple of examples of cases where having a therapist is really important, if not essential, such as if you're dealing with severe genital pain or if you have experienced this previous unresolved trauma. Can you share with us, are there any other examples of issues where self-help just isn't going to cut it and someone would benefit from just going directly to a healthcare provider? Yeah. So I would say sexual pain, well, there's different types of sexual pain. There's pain that many young women are having because they're not being aroused enough prior to penetration. That one can be solved with limited information and suggestions. Don't have intercourse till you're aroused, use lubricant, et cetera. But then there's another class of genital pain, and we now know that most of that is a medical issue, not a psychological issue, except for one, vaginismus, which is when the, the muscles of the vagina clamp and nothing can go through. So for that, for vaginismus, it's often caused by anxiety, trauma. That's where a sex therapist and a pelvic floor physical therapist, it's hard to solve that with self-help. Genital pain. Some women have pain just from being touched, or some have pain all the time. You need to see a sexual medicine physician. Trauma, a sexual assault. You know, there's a lot of trauma to deal with. And a later stage of healing from that trauma is the effects on your sexuality, even though we need to be clear if it's an assault, it's not sex. It is an assault. But still, because it was a sexual assault, it's going to leave some sexual issues. That's hard to solve with self-help books. I mean, there are good self-help books for both pain and recovering from sexual assault, but those are ones, I'd say, get a really good therapist. Infidelity, relationship betrayal, that's pretty hard to solve with self-help. That's one where you know a therapist could help. Or a couple who have really different erotic blueprints, like I need, you know, kinky BDSM type stuff to be aroused. 
And my partner, for example, hates it. They find that aversive. I'm not going to be able to kind of talk that through and solve it. So really mismatch sexual interests. Therapy is warranted. Those are not all, but those are the ones that come immediately to my mind. Sexual aversion, which is not just a disinterest in sex, but like really like, oh, I feel averse to that. That you're going to need a therapist for. So those kind of things. Yeah. And one other thing I would add to that great list that you started for us would be if you have a physical sexual problem that arises that becomes persistent. So for example, if you used to get erections easily, but now you no longer get them and you notice you're not even waking up with morning wood anymore, you know, that could be the sign of an underlying health condition that means you need to consult with your doctor or healthcare provider. Or if you're starting to go through menopause and you notice changes in vaginal lubrication and you're just not lubricating the way that you used to, Again, that would be a case where you kind of need to consult with your doctor because maybe it's hormone replacement that you need in terms of dealing with that. So, you know, it's also the physical changes that happen that I think, you know, the self-help route isn't necessarily going to fix those things. And you'd really benefit from consulting with a licensed healthcare provider. So let's talk about some other common and specific sexual problems and how to deal with them. One of the most common problems across genders and sexualities is low sexual interest. And I think I've covered that pretty well on other episodes of this show, you know, in my interviews with Emily Nagoski and Marta Miena. So let's talk about some other common issues. One of them, you already hinted at a little bit earlier, is difficulty reaching orgasm. And this can be an issue for people of any gender or any sexuality, but it seems to be particularly common for cisgender heterosexual women. So let me first start with the question of what are some of the most common reasons why someone might have a hard time reaching orgasm in the first place? Yeah. So certainly there are some medical issues and medication side effects that do need to be ruled out. It's much harder to reach orgasm when you're taking an SSRI. Also, it's rare, but there's something called a clitoral adhesion. So the clitoris kind of gets stuck to the hood and can't move. So there are some, you do need to get a physical workup and check your meds, but let's say all those are fine. There's several reasons. The biggest one, the biggest one, and I can't believe we're still talking about this in 2022, but we have to. The biggest reason that cisgender heterosexual women are not reaching orgasm is because they're not getting enough or the right type of clitoral stimulation. Now, it wasn't a scientific study, but a huge survey of women in Cosmopolitan magazine, they were asked, why are you not orgasming during partner sex? 73% said not enough or not the right kind of clitoral stimulation. And we know, again, I said this earlier, that only 4 to 18% of people with vulvas can orgasm from just a thrusting penis alone. But look at most mainstream movies, much porn, and that is exactly what you see. Very little fooling around. The man puts his penis in the woman's vagina and she has an instant orgasm. That's not going to result in an orgasm. That is actually going to result in sexual pain for many. But I teach undergrads and 
most of them don't know that because they've had bad sex ed or no sex ed and they're getting their role modeling from movies and porn. So that's one massive cause. Another massive cause is body image self-consciousness during sexual intimacy. You know, if you're sitting there receiving oral sex, thinking your labia are too big or you're smelly or dirty, you're all up in your head. You're not going to orgasm. Orgasm requires turning your thinking, monitoring brain off. Or, you know, am I doing it right? Do I look okay? Are they having fun? Those kind of issues. Other cognitive issues like feeling guilty or thinking, slut-shaming yourself or being worried that you're going to be called a slut, you know, not communicating your sexual needs. All of those things contribute to cisgender, heterosexual women's low rates of orgasm. And a lot of those reasons that you mentioned can be reasons why persons of any gender or sexuality might not be able to reach orgasm. You know, that idea of being in your head or having these body image concerns. And it can also be having ineffective stimulation or stimulation that just isn't the kind that typically brings you to orgasm. So you mentioned clitoral stimulation versus het women, you know, being very important. But also if you're looking at men who might have difficulty reaching orgasm, sometimes they have a hard time orgasming because they might masturbate in a way that provides just very different physical sensations compared to partnered sex. And so there's a lot of parallels here for people across different genders and sexualities when it comes to having a hard time reaching orgasm. But it is often about those physical stimulation issues or kind of being stuck in your head. Now, for people who have difficulty reaching orgasm, you know, the answer is going to depend, you know, the solution is going to depend on why they have that difficulty in the first place. But do you have any suggestions you can provide homework exercises that maybe can make having an orgasm a little bit easier? Absolutely. So the first thing I would suggest is learn about your genital anatomy. Women and men, people with penises often know a little more because they hold their penis to urinate, they touch it. But, you know, actually seeing what the different parts are, getting a diagram, learning what's what, and then masturbate. I mean, that is the most empirically supported technique to reach orgasm because nobody else is there but you. If you can get past the guilt, you don't have to tell someone else, move your hand to the right, to the left. You don't have to feel self-conscious. It's just you. So, you know, masturbate. And if you don't want to just do it right away, there's lots of ways to build up to it. You can touch yourself differently in the shower, for example. Then you can watch, not pornographic, but other models, like good models of other women orgasming. So for women, OMG Yes is great. Some of Betty Dotson's, I love her vintage videos. And then pleasure yourself, not in the goal-oriented, I got to come, I got to come way, but just to experience pleasure. That is the most empirically supported technique. But also, like we talked about mindfulness, don't just masturbate and like, oh, am I going to come? Like immerse yourself in the pleasure. So another homework suggestion is learn what mindfulness is. Again, it's your mind and body in the same place. Practice it during your daily life. You don't have to meditate, although that's good. Yoga and meditation have been found to enhance orgasmic functioning. Why? Because they teach mindfulness. But if you don't want to do that, you can just do it in your daily life. The next time you brush your teeth, really focus on the sensations in the mouth. 
your mind will wander a hundred times. I promise you that. And that's not a failure. That's actually a success because it's you notice the mind wandering and then you bring it back and then you apply that to your masturbation. And then, as I said earlier, once you know how to masturbate on your own, then you use communication and creativity to get the same type of stimulation alone as you do with a partner. Yep. I think that's all great advice. So if somebody listening has a sexual difficulty or sexual problem and it's very distressing to them and they're afraid to seek help and they just don't know where to start, what do you want them to know? Where is the starting point for addressing this particular problem? So if they don't want to seek help and it's not one of the things we talked about that really needs therapy, start with a good self-help book. There's great books. I could literally go through a list of sexual concerns and self-help books that go with them and start, read one of those books and get the information that you need. And your book, Becoming Cliterate, is one of those great suggestions. And I actually have a whole section on my website. It's called Justin's Bookshelf. If you just navigate to that page on my site, your book is listed on there, along with a whole bunch of other great resources. So that can be a great place to go for some reading suggestions. But it's important when you're looking for these resources, make sure that they're written by experts in the field who know what they're talking about and who have some credentials behind them. Because the self-help literature, I know we've talked about this before on the show, is not always written by experts. And you got to do your due diligence in terms of finding the right resources in order to ensure you're going to get the help that you really need. Such a good point. Because in social media, too, there's some great sex positive social media people that give advice, like you, hopefully, like me, that have credentials. But there's also some people who just get on TikTok or Instagram and call themselves an expert and give harmful advice. So make check the credentials of who you're following, who you're taking advice from, who you're reading. Great advice, Justin. So true and so important. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Lori. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and get a copy of one of your books? Sure. Thank you for having me. It was delightful as always. You can find me on all social media and my website on the same handle, Dr. Lori Mintz. So D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E-M-I-N-T-Z. So my website is www.drlorimintz.com. That's my Instagram and Facebook handle, as well as Twitter. And there's links on my website to all of those and to purchase my books. But you can get my books wherever books are sold and um, Becoming Cliterate is available in paperback and Kindle and audio. A Tired Woman's Guide is only available at this point by Kindle. Thank you again for your time. I really appreciate having you here. And thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want, and Lori's amazing books, including Becoming Clitorate. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Yeah.